I've been gone for so long for so many reasons, okay? Last year, 2018, was tough as hell. I lost four family members, um, a couple friends, but... You know, 2018 knocked me down. I'm back on my feet, 2019. And I'm about six weeks late with this episode, but I'm here. Okay, I'm here. Thanks for still listening to the former episodes and thanks for tuning in this week. We read Friday Black by Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. This is a collection of short stories and I don't even know where to start. Honestly, honestly, this, these stories were crazy. Okay, they were crazy. So my emotionally intelligent word of the day, um, I could do a little bit better than crazy. I'll say disturbed and intrigued because... These stories are at that intersection of like weird, but it's like where curiosity and and strangeness align. Do you know what I mean? Um, These are the kind of stories that pique your interest, but they are very, very, very strange and exciting and wonderful and fantastical. Um... They're really good. They're they're really good. Um, they're really crazy. I've said that like 10 times because they are highly recommended. So let's get into Hate It or Love It. This week, I loved it. I always love it. Honestly, I always love it. The subject matter is, um, is heavy. It's really heavy. This story and the way that Nana writes, it makes you feel things deeply. His language is very precise and it makes the stories all the more powerful and engaging because he just hits home and then we're out of there. You know what I mean? Short stories are so good because they get to the heart of the matter and then it's over with and you're left to kind of deal with that. And so still processing, but these stories are all um, investigations into a couple different things, but mostly into race and specifically what it takes to be black in America, any kind of black, every kind of black, because we as black people know that it's complicated and there are more flavors than just chocolate. We know that. There are jollof flavored folks, hog mog flavored folks. We got coconut, mango, the vegan variety, all that. We got every kind of black and we're dealing with a lot of different things depending on our particular flavor of black. Uh, But when it comes to confrontations with others, white people specifically, um, we're dealing with many of the same things when it comes to whitey, you know what I'm saying? No matter what kind of black. And so this this is about that. My favorite stories in here are, are about that. Um, and the whole thing is that when people are obsessed with the outside, there's no investigation. You know, in this book, in these stories, in my favorite stories in particular, Um, which are the Finkelstein Five and Zimmerland. Um, Nana has put into words what it takes to succumb to the scrutiny. You know what I mean? Your blackness is always being inspected. You know what I'm saying? We go through quality control checks all the time. We do them on each other, checking for the black card. 
turning down the blackness, you know what I'm saying? Monitoring your levels of blackness. Um, and in, in, in a lot of these stories, um, he's investigating the sacrifices that are required when you try to bend and to break yourself to be anything other than what you are. Um, and I guess uh, the bottom line that we reach at the end of, of my favorite stories um, is just that while we're doing all these aerobics and like tricks in order to, to bend ourselves and, and really break ourselves um, to be something that makes other people comfortable, we're missing the point that some people don't even want us to be at all. People still abuse us if they happen to see us at all and then turn the tables so that now the abused is in the position to give an explanation. And the abused is in a position to be apologetic for the offense of just being. Um, and so when you think about it and when you live this day in and day out, the shit is sad, it's disturbing, it's perverse, but it's also a little bit funny because it's so sick. And that's what these stories are. It's like, oh, I didn't think I would laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so true and it's so real. And in these stories, Nana gives voice to those experiences um, in order to decode what's really going on here. So quickly, I'm going to talk a little bit about my favorite stories. Um, and I'm going to try to do that without ruining the stories for you because I really highly recommend that you read it for yourself. I think it's always good to read and to know and to feel and decide for yourself. So the first story I'll talk about is Zimmerland. Zimmerland, you'll read, is an amusement park where essentially people can live out their sick, dark, and twisted fantasies. Today is February 6th. Yesterday would have been Trayvon Martin's 24th birthday. Yesterday was February the 5th. 2018 and Zimmerland I was listening to the author talk about his inspiration for the story Zimmerland is a story that came out of the tragic incident with Trayvon Martin um, and the perversion involved with George Zimmerman taking his life in a way that was like for his own like entertainment, it seemed, it seemed like it it was a sport for him. Do you know what I mean? Like the matter of a, a young man's life came down to a sport, like a sporting event. Like he was hunting a human being, and Zimmer, Zimmerland is that perverse, and literally, it involves like a theme park of so-called justice. So think like if Quentin Tarantino designed a theme park and it kind of sounds like a good idea, right? But then, yeah, there's like a, a perverted twist. And the guy who thinks he's a hero is not actually a hero. He's poor. He's completely like problematic, um, extremely problematic. And none of the cast is telling him. Nobody's holding him accountable. And... Yeah, this this all plays out like this perverted 
sense of like justice and like somebody's perverted sense of what it means to to be a hero um and for the person who believes that he's a hero when he's actually the villain the way that he characterizes the villain is also wrong but what I want to talk about as far as my takeaway from this story concerns optimism um, because in this story optimism became something sinister like the main character in this story really insisted on seeing the good in something that was just not okay um, and his optimism was almost weaponized in a sense. Like it was a weapon of delusion in a sense that he was lulling himself into like a false sense of security that things would be okay. But it was just a weird, a weird thought that I had that um, sometimes optimism, optimism can be problematic if it's not grounded in reality. Um, and it made me think of optimism as a sort of defense mechanism in a sense that like taints your world with pretty colors that are not there, which is a danger. Do you know what I mean? When you're seeing something that's not there because you insist that it's going to be okay when it is not okay. And it makes me think of phrases like, Things will be fine. Everything's going to be all right. And I do that. So many people that I know do that. Many of us do that because we want things to be okay. But sometimes when we're talking about what will be, what should be, uh, we're not talking about what is. And, and we're doing ourselves a disservice. So, yeah, it just made me reconsider the function of optimism and, and think about how to put optimism in its place, <laughs> in its rightful place, um, in order to be more realistic about the present moment. And, and this same like sinister thing about optimism comes up again in a later story called The Hospital Wear. Um, but I won't, I won't get into that. Moving on from Zimmerland, which was disturbing. The first story is called The Finkelstein Five. The Finkelstein Five is like Black Mirror meets Black Lives Matter. If you can imagine that, I know it sounds like really strange, but honestly... That's the best way that I could put it because it's just some real shit, um, but it's sick and twisted real shit. I read this story twice. I put the book down and I read it again with a friend. And what the fuck? I'm just going to tell you what happened. Like I said, I'm not going to try to like ruin it. I'm going to try to like tiptoe so around like... Some of the things that happen because I want you to experience the story unfolds. Like, it really is a gift. Um, but yeah, I'm going to talk to you about this story and kind of tell you what happened because honestly, you already know this story. If you're anything like me, you have played this story out in your own mind each and every time a black person is gunned down in the streets. Each and every time that a person doesn't offer empathy naturally. And you want to make them feel it. 
in this story, rage and revenge come alive. They really do. Um, and they're like gruesome details of what it's like to be like them, those people. You know what I mean? Who are gunning us down, abusing us, all that. All that that we see every day um, in covert and overt ways. But this story is about like if you really just got carried away with your rage and your anger and you didn't quell it and you were not concerned with peace or encouraging anybody else to bite the bullet or endure or to hope for better or brighter days. This book is a story of what cruelty looks, sounds, and feels like. This story had imagery um, that was so powerful, I felt it, and I saw the story play out in my mind. Um, and it would be a great, a great movie. It really would, but I think that it would either be banned or blacklisted. <laughs> Because it's one of those things that's kind of too real. Um, and images are powerful. I learned recently that uh, white slavery was actually banned from Hollywood. <laughs> like it was a law in the Hayes Code. You can look up the history of the Motion Picture Production Code. But there are very clear discrepancies between the ways that black and white people are shown in the media. That is not a coincidence. And there are images of slain black bodies that can be found in any medium at any given time. From the front page of the paper to YouTube to any news channel, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. You can see a black person die in real time. As many times as you want. In every medium of your choice. Although I don't know why you would choose to see that. It's not the same when it comes to white bodies. I said all that to say that this story is important and uh, I wish it were a movie because I really appreciate works where the roles are reversed and where people are made to feel what they make other people feel because empathy is something that we preach people should have, but a lot of folks don't have. And unfortunately, I think that a lot of people don't learn lessons unless they're the hard way. And it's hard for people to understand a person's plight if they have not been through it. And sometimes I feel like people should learn lessons by living through what they force others to endure in their own lives. I'm talking around in circles, but essentially, I feel like we should pervert the golden rule. And instead of telling people or trying to coerce people into good behavior by making them think about wanting to be treated well in order to motivate them to treat people well <clears throat> I think the same should go for like enforcing what am I saying what I'm saying is I think that whatever you do to somebody should be done to you 
And if you learn, you learn. And if you don't, you don't. But I think that that is justice. Street justice. I think that if you slap somebody, you should be slapped. I think that if you kill somebody, you should be killed. I think that if... And of course, like, there are exceptions, right? Because if you kill somebody who is trying to kill you, that is a consequence that you didn't choose for them. That's a consequence that they decided for themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're defending yourself against a violent person and they lose, then you shouldn't have to suffer any further because in defending yourself, you're doing what you should do. They were the person who was out of line and their consequence has to just be absorbed by them. But yeah, I guess, um, yeah, street justice. And I understand, like, there's the whole domino effect of things getting out of control and blah, blah, blah. But, like, I think sometimes when you try to convince people who are naturally abusive and cruel, you try to get them to buy in and motivate them with, like, goodness and good feel. Like, that doesn't appeal to a certain kind of person. The kind of person who's bloodthirsty doesn't care to be fair or nice or kind that shit doesn't motivate them like a bloodthirsty person is motivated by blood and so their blood has to be spilled and that sounds crazy that sounds dark but I just think it's real like I think victims should be able to determine the outcomes for their abusers and there are some people who have been victimized who will have mercy and there are some people who won't but I don't think that you can be called wrong for choosing what you feel is best when you have been wronged in particular ways. I feel like there should be a scale of consequences that you should be able to decide from that range from like the smallest form of punishment, whether it's like a pluck or a smack, to like the highest form of punishment, which in my opinion, should be based on the offense or the crime or pain that was inflicted on you. So, for example, and for the sake of me not talking myself in like a million circles and dizzying everybody, including myself, if you punch me, I am the victim of being punched. And as the victim, I should be able to choose a consequence for you, which would range from plucking you or forgiving you I guess being the lowest consequence to punching you since that's since that's what you did to me <laughs> um but then it makes me think about the fact that there are some crimes that you can't inflict on others because in my mind right now is the crime of rape I don't think that you should rape somebody back. Do you know what I mean? Like, that sounds weird. In my mind, and I've spoken to people, men, who thought that I was being extreme when I said that the consequence for rape should be death. I still feel like that. I really do. Uh, but then somebody made a better suggestion that the person who was raped should be able to decide the consequence for the rapist and their abuser, which I guess I can agree with. Um, 
So yeah, I guess all in all, the Finkelstein Five made me think about consequences and this idea that you have to be careful about the ways that you abuse people because people will retaliate and that retaliation will not be by method of your choosing as the accused as the responsible party for the abuse um and it makes me think about this idea that like when people abuse you something has to be done do you know what i mean um Something has to be done. And, and in the Finkelstein Five, just to wrap it up, what I'll say is that the people indulge and they get carried away with their rage and they retaliate in violent ways, in bloodthirsty ways, employing those same methods that others have employed in hate crimes and there's an emptiness that follows when they discover that it isn't enough to, to become like the enemy and the abuser, but it's something. Do you know what I mean? Um, I just have a final thought that I wanted to express um, regarding the last story in this book called Through the Flash. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because my morbid thoughts on... Um, doling out consequences for abusers in order to empower pe people who have been victimized made me think of the protagonist in the final story who tries to do the same thing but in doing so becomes corrupted herself so she like begins with this righteous cause and these good intentions and her thing is to bully the bullies but in doing so she becomes a bully and things spiral out of control to the point where she literally destroys her entire community. And um, it seems like with my logic, that could also be the breakdown in, in where my argument or my approach would go wrong. Do you know what I mean? Where things spiral out of control and like <clears throat> engaging in any abusive behaviors, no matter who it's toward and no matter how like justify the reason may seem um is it is it is a bit problematic and it is a slippery slope as far as like who gets empowered to determine consequences and to dole out justice and like how do you think through imposing certain limitations on what a person's able to decide like yeah it just it is it gets complicated and it gets out of control and you know i'm spinning in circles but I still think it's really interesting to think that through um, and also important to kind of focus on addressing the root issue of abuse and maybe like taking a preventative approach because I think it's, it's problematic to, I guess, punish people who are retaliating to an injustice. Um, which sometimes tends to happen. And so, yeah, it just made me curious.
it just made me really, really curious. Um, and I'm grateful for this work. I think it's really important. Highly recommended. So definitely read it. Let me know about your favorite stories. Let me know what you think. Um, let me know if you can see this as a movie or something. I don't know. I feel like this needs to be a motion picture, though. Moving on to the shout outs. One, I have to shout out Nana Kwame Ajibrenya, the author of Friday Black, for writing this, imagining this, like sharing this. It, it, it's so important. So shout out to him um, for, for the genius of these writings. Shout out to the Read More podcast. I actually won this book from the Read More podcast, a signed copy. Check out the Read More podcast to hear author interviews. Nana has an interview. Um, and engage with the podcast to potentially win some free books and to learn a few things about the authors, about different authors in their works. Shout out to a woman named Candace Payne. Man, this, was it this week? No, it was last week in Chicago. It was cold as hell. It was freezing cold. There was a polar vortex. There was one day where it was negative 47 degrees. Negative 47 degrees in Chicago. In a place with human beings and in life. (laughs) And um, it was very concerning because we have a population of homeless people here, like in most places. And um, there was a woman who paid for several hotel rooms and housed a hundred homeless people for several days um, so that they did not have to be exposed to such harsh conditions outdoors. And I've read um, a couple of interviews where Candace Payne, the woman who spearheaded this effort, because she did have help from members of the community who contributed in a number of ways, including giving money and providing transportation to homeless folks and, and all those things. But she was given an interview and it was it, it brought tears to my eyes because it was so beautiful and she was just talking about the fact that she knew there was a problem and she decided to find a solution and she's a regular ass person. Do you know what I mean? And it just really inspired me because those small things matter so much and as regular people, we, we really do have the power to do things that are huge um when it comes to contributions to community and to humanity and I just thought that was so important because I on the one hand was complaining to the people in my house like oh who's gonna do something about this and who's gonna do something and this should be done and Candace was out there hustling and bustling and getting it done okay shout out to Candace and the people who do the work I was talking about the work she was getting it done shout out to you Candace Shout out to you and your team. That's so dope. I want to be just like you. She's my hero. Amazing. She realized that knowing is not enough. Like we know that certain things are a problem. But unlike the protagonist in in Zimmerland, Candace wasn't fooling herself to think that like things are going to get better tomorrow because they should 
Do you know what I'm saying? She's like, it's only going to get better if I change it. So today I'm going to do something. And that is just so important because me feeling like I know that this is wrong. I know that this is not okay, but I'm overwhelmed with these feelings and these judgments about what's supposed to be. And I'm still not doing anything because I'm caught in this like crazy situation and like playing things out in my mind and like imagining possible blah 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 but it's like girl this is literally just happening in your head nothing is changing about the situation in the world there's nothing different tomorrow as a result of anything that I've thought about there's nothing different today as a result of the things that I've thought about I'm just frustrated you know what I mean and and the situation is unchanged so yeah girl shout out to you shout out shout out to AOC what a politician right this is this is what politicians should be doing I I just I I really appreciate all the work that she's doing I appreciate all the issues that she's advocating for I appreciate the fact that she's giving voice to the concerns that so many of us have that have been ignored and I'm watching I'm I'm with you I'm with her so yeah, girl, keep changing the world. Shout out to Adam Ruins Everything, which is a really cool show <laughs> um, on Netflix. There was a Hollywood episode called Adam Ruins Hollywood. And in that episode, from that episode, I learned that white slavery at some point was banned in Hollywood. <laughs> Wonder why, right? It was banned in Hollywood because white people don't like to see white suffering. But, you know, black suffering is sport and entertainment in this country. You can see black people everywhere dying, being killed, starving, suffering in any number of ways. Um, not white folks, though. It's against the law, literally. It was against the law at some point. So, yeah, you can read about that. The Hays Code. Um, shout out to all the folks that are doing the work. And, and shout out to you listeners for being so patient with me and getting back to doing what needs to be done with the podcast. So I will be back next time with another one. So until next time, y'all, I'll be curled up with a book somewhere. Tweet me at Bantu Book Review. Hit me up. Let me know what you thought about Friday Black. Uh, uh, uh.